The reading today comes from Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm the lead pastor here at Zao. Have you ever left everything? It may sound fantastical, but I've done it, and I bet you have too. The most dramatic story of my invitation, the time that I most obviously left everything, was in November 2005. In 2005, I was 18 years old. I was depressed barely surviving. I felt this daily sense of longing and aching like my insides were a black hole. Curled up on a ball on the floor at one point that year, I was next to my best friend. We were both queer, both trans. Neither of us were aware or out their coping mechanism was hard liquor and Radiohead. Mine was Ivy heroin. And so, curled up on the floor, I said to them, I want to die, and I can't understand why. And they disagreed with me. They said, no, you want to live, and you can't understand why. It was that longing in me. They were right. I did want to live, and I couldn't figure out why when I was in so much pain. But I wanted a reason to live. I wanted hope. By and large, my friends felt the same. We were all struggling deeply, and we had various methods of coping or numbing. We were smart and cynical. We liked to call ourselves jaded, even though we were young and had the whole world in front of us. 
But the pain of being alive was breaking in on us at every moment of every day. We wanted to live, but we had no reason to. We didn't understand why. There were some people in my life who did want to live. They had hope. They had purpose, a sense of conviction, of reason for being. They were Christians. They were my family. I had known about the stories. I grew up with them, heard them. I was told there was a God who loved us all. I had heard those stories of abundance and hope, but I never felt like it was for me. There was some sort of deficit in me, I thought. I couldn't believe. It was really nice that they could. Good for them. But I wasn't like them. I was cynical and... I was a realist. I wasn't going to delude myself. I knew the truth, that this world was meaningless, and so was I. But this was untenable, my cynicism without hope. And I felt every day that ache and longing for more, this hope that there was something more for me, something more in the world, but this fear that there was nothing, that I was nothing, and that I would collapse into that black hole someday myself. There was something wrong with me, I thought. Maybe it was because I was unworthy, or that it was beyond me, or that I was broken, I was born that way, broken beyond repair. Or maybe it didn't happen to me, it was the world around me. Maybe it happened to all of us, that we were broken so far that we were irredeemable. Either way, my nets came up empty every time I spent a long night searching for hope. I remember talking to my dad about it. He was one of those ones who had that hope that seemed too good to be true and probably was. He was probably kidding himself. Don't you Christians think that we're just born bad anyway? I asked him. Original sin and all of that? I remember him smiling, but there was pain in it because that was a story he had heard too, that he had been born bad. But he said, no, I disagree. I've heard a different way. He lent me a book called Original Blessing by Matthew Fox. That book promised something else, that actually I was born for that hope that I was longing for, not survival and cynicism and pain, but hope, blessing, and abundance, eternal life. When I heard the phrase eternal life, it sounded like immortality. And to me, immortality sounded like hell that never ended. My life was painful. But that's because my life was one of death and destruction and despair. Life. Life as a promise of something that I didn't have yet, but could have. There was something there that sparked my curiosity because I knew that I wasn't living, not really. I was surviving, and it hurt like hell. There was a life for me, a promise, and I was born for it, an original blessing given to me. 
knit into the fabric of my being and of all creation, a path, a way of being that held life. I didn't know what that meant, but I wanted to find out. I saw the abundance of that promise, and I decided it was worth it. And so, in November of that year, 2005, I left everything. I left those relationships built on despair, abuse, and self-destruction. I left Chicago, the only city that had ever felt like home. I left college, and with it, all my plans for the future. And the most difficult thing to leave was heroin, my primary tool for survival. I searched for a different way, the way that was promised in Jesus. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew that my life, a true life, a vibrant and lasting life, depended on it. This is the story of my invitation, my call, the call from God to move from death into life. We each get these invitations over and over again from God, and I could tell you hundreds of mine. The easiest to think of are the flashy ones. Less than a year later, in the summer of 2006, I got an invite to drop everything that had given me stability in that important time in my life, to go to the border of Mexico, to camp out in the desert, to put my body on the line for the work of liberation without borders. Or a few years after that, when I learned the words non-binary and genderqueer, and was asked to abandon that binary cage I had grown up in and everything I thought I knew about my gender to find the truth of who I really was, to claim my true name and the freedom of being myself in a new and powerful way. Or nearly a decade later, when I was called out again from my home in Chicago to move to Milwaukee, with very little resourcing, a couple of phone numbers, and a task to start a church, to find you all, and to build with you something beautiful. But in addition to these big flashy moments, these points in my own history and story, in addition to flashy moments you might be imagining right now when everything in your life changed because you walked away from the things that were killing you, and said yes to a new kind of life, into those big and bright moments. We experience calls into new life in much more subtle ways each day that we are willing to open ourselves to hear or receive the invitation from God to face the death that holds us captive every day and dive into the promise of real and lasting life. It's those moments you are asked to abandon the self-doubt that has kept you fettered. To leap into the unknown, trusting that you are enough. In those moments that you walk away from a pattern you know is hurting you, and you feel your way into a new, uncomfortable rhythm of compassion or care or courage. Today's scripture passage tells a story of universal truth, the invitation from God into life. I'll read it again. 
you want to read with me or if you want to know where this is in your Bible, you can grab a Bible now. It's in uh, Luke, which is the third book of the New Testament, chapter 5. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out to them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is a story of desire, of longing. Empty nets after a long night fishing for what we need. A glimpse of abundance. Nets overflowing to bursting. Boats so full of abundance that they threaten to sink. A wave of self-doubt. I am a sinful man. An encouragement. Do not be afraid. And finally, the call to adventure, the invitation. From now on, you will catch people. Matthew calls it fishers of people or becoming a fisher of men. What does that mean? They don't know. They can't know. But they are willing to leave everything to find out. They know that this promise, this invitation comes from abundance. They have seen the fish. They have glimpsed it. They don't feel good enough for it, but the promise is there and the encouragement, do not be afraid, gives them just enough to walk away, to leave everything they know. In the Matthew version of this story, he uses twice the term abandon. Two disciples were fishing with their dad. The text says they abandoned both boat and father. That's harsh. But what is the truth here? What do we need to abandon in order, in order to say yes to this call to adventure, to say yes to this invitation? On the surface, this is their job, their livelihood, their family. What could that truly mean? Are we called away from our feelings of security or those things that bind us to our routines? Our comfort? 
Are we called to abandon the narratives given to us by our parents or intergenerational trauma meant to define us? We know from the scriptures that these disciples do follow Jesus, and they are still fishermen. We presume they didn't cut ties with their parents, but they had to abandon something on the way. What do you need to abandon to truly say yes to that invitation from God into life? Abandoning those things that shackle us to death is no small task. How did they do it? How did those disciples leave everything, everything that was holding them back? How did they abandon those things and follow Jesus on the way? The way which we find by walking it. The way which is relationship with God. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus replied, I am the way. This season, we will spend seven weeks talking about formation, which is to say what happens when we say yes to that invitation. Where is God taking us? It's a journey of personal formation, a new way of being from death into life. But it is also a call into something, into community, into a, a space of camaraderie, to get into formation with our comrades, with the fellow disciples, with those who are also being formed, to find out ourselves in the greater scheme of things, something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than all of us, something that God has set into motion and invited us to be a part of. Formation into our truest selves as members of the body of Christ, this revolution of life in a world of death and despair. But we are so steeped in death and destruction, steeped in the brokenness of the world, we cannot even imagine a life so profound that it is unending and eternal. We do not know where we are going, so how do we know the way? Jesus replies to us, I am the way. I am the truth you are looking for. I am the life that your body aches for. And I provide this path to the meaning of who you are, to the beauty that you were meant for. You were born for this. This is your original blessing, an invitation to leave the things behind that don't serve you, to come with me, to find yourself, and in so doing, find your kin, your brothers, sisters, siblings. Find those folks on the journey. Get into formation. Change the world as you change yourself. This is step one. You may be able to recall a time when you first felt that invitation from God. You may be in the midst of it now, 
or it might be right around the corner. But invitations from God are not one-time-only opportunities. My call story is ongoing. And every time I open myself to receive an invitation from God, I am formed, reformed, transformed into a new way of being. This is our call. One of the words in Spanish for blessing is bien aventura, well-adventured. This call to adventure is your birthright. Come with God, with the people of God, into a new way of being and see where it takes you. See where it takes us. Who are we called to be? Who are we called to be together? How do we do it? We do it with faith. We do it with hope. And we find that faith and hope along the path. Will you pray with me? God of the unknown, God of blessing and of hope, God of eternal life, true life, give us the courage to walk away from the death that binds us. Help us find the freedom that we were granted when we were made by your hands. Help us claim it to discover ourselves and one another. Welcome us in to your body, your family, your new creation. Help us to be formed by it and to get in formation, to find one another and to be your people. In your name we pray. Amen.